Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. We have this morning and this afternoon been covering very, very closely the developments here in the state of Utah and around the country surrounding, of course, the coronavirus. It has infiltrated every single aspect of our lives. Our bank accounts are different. Our working life is different. Our relationships with our families and friends, uh, it is all different. And for that reason, it is important that we we pay very close attention uh, to what is being done at all levels to combat this pandemic as you and I together uh, go to battle. Now, right now in the United States Senate, there are some debates uh, playing out as to this third tier stimulus package of sorts. Uh, uh, The numbers are changing, it seems, every time I refresh Twitter and check in with the folks back there. uh, There is not uh, an agreement quite yet. They are working towards it. In a moment, we're going to speak with Utah Senator Mike Lee, who himself right now is in uh, isolation after having come in contact with uh, Senator Rand Paul. He'll give us an update on those negotiations in the Senate. But I want to, before we speak to the senator, point out two things that we just heard from uh, state epidemiologist Angela Dunn as she hosted a press briefing uh, at the Utah Department of Health Building. And it is uh, two things. The president recently uh, mentioned that he would like to see us back to normal, essentially, uh, back in our workplaces. Uh, He would like to see the economy up and running again as normal as possible by Easter. Now, that's not too far off, April 12th, if uh, my (laughs) recollection is correct. Uh, That is just a few short weeks away now. Is it wise, and does that type of timeline have the support of medical professionals? State epidemiologist Angela Dunn was asked that question in the press conference today, and she didn't say no, and she didn't say yes. Now, if she could say yes, she would have. And so let me uh, say what maybe she uh, was unable to say. And it is that that is a pretty accelerated timeline. There really isn't any uh, evidence uh, around the world that would help us to understand that to be a wise timeline uh, if our objective is exclusively to combat the spread of the virus. Now, there are certain economic realities that are seeming to set in. There are people who will lose their livelihoods and lose their ability to earn an income for a good long time. There are small businesses that will go under if they haven't already. And so now the economic priorities are competing with the health priorities. And for that reason, we may may see uh, some shifting attitudes as to when we return to normalcy. Now, the last point uh, that I want to share before we speak with Senator Lee is the question of uh, a compulsory shelter in place. That is not the case here in Utah. Uh, The governor has exercised no such authority to compel our social distancing. Right now, as I broadcast, uh, I'm doing so from uh, my guest bedroom, uh, just down the street from Broadcast House. I'm by myself. Uh, I haven't been face-to-face with producer Amy in some time, nor with any of my other colleagues uh, at KSL. In fact, the only folks I have really uh, been face-to-face with in recent days are my beautiful wife, Jessica, and brand-new baby, Piper. 
Now, I'm doing this not because the law says that I have to, but rather because experts have indicated that this type of behavior is the best to mitigate the spread of this virus. And uh, together uh, with my bosses at KSL, the decision has been made to separate us as best as possible to support uh, this practice of social distancing because it's wise, not because it's the law. And I think that that's a very important distinction uh, to, to watch out for. There are certain parts of this country uh, where the leaders, the governors and such, are compelling shelter-in-place orders. That is not the case here yet. And let's be responsible and let's be wise so that uh, our leaders here in the state aren't tempted to make it compulsory. All right. Uh, that's my invitation to you. And with that, uh, let's shift gears for a moment. And welcome to the program, Utah Senator Mike Lee. Uh, Senator, I'm grateful to you for making time to speak to us. Let me ask you first and foremost, how are you feeling? I'm feeling fine. Not a single symptom. Um, I'm healthy. Um, I'm just required to isolate because I had lunch with Rand Paul on Friday. Uh, so in the meantime, I'm doing everything I can to stay busy, uh, to continue to do my job. Uh, without being on the Senate floor to vote. Uh, that part of it's frustrating, but uh, getting to interact with a lot of Utahns over the phone and, and over the Internet. What can you tell us about the negotiations taking place in Washington uh, amongst your fellow senators? Well, it's frustrating. The um, uh, Democrats right now are um, engaging in some tactics that I don't understand and, and that uh, – uh, that aren't right, that being completely irresponsible by delaying this much-needed aid for all Democrats. We've got um, a, a bill, the Republican bill would give $1,200 for each American, $2,400 for each couple, an additional $500 for each child. The Democratic bill has emissions standards for airplanes. The Republican bill has $350 billion in loans to small businesses so they can continue to uh, keep their workers working and avoid bankruptcy and, and give people jobs. Uh, the Democratic bill has gender diversity requirements for corporate boards. So the Democrats are, are using this bill as a crisis to advance their own pre-existing hyper-partisan agenda. And it's shameful. It needs to stop. If they want to pick that up at some point later, that's fine, but they shouldn't be holding this bill up, especially with things that they agree need to happen now. Rahm Emanuel famously said, you never let a serious crisis go to waste. Uh, and it seems uh, that at least Speaker Pelosi and those on her side of things are, are taking that advice to heart. Uh, let me ask you this. What is holding this up right now beyond these uh, kind of uh, adornments that the Democrats are adding? Uh, we on Friday thought that the senators would have this all sorted out. That got moved to uh, Saturday. Uh, I had hoped that uh, there would be a resolution yesterday. Uh, early this morning, it uh, was said by many that uh, an agreement uh, was just uh, hours away. Maybe we were on the two uh, yard line. Uh, and now it's looking doubtful even that today we'll be able to uh, reach a compromise and cast a vote. Uh, what beyond the Democrats is holding this up, if there is anything beyond the Democrats? Yeah, no, no, that, that really is it. Um, it. It's just getting to the point where they're willing to open the debate and agree that we need to pass something. In order to do that, you have to have 60 votes. Right now they're stuck in more or less a party line posture. And, you know, the, the things that the Republicans are pushing for are not what you would call 
conservative or Republican priorities. They're not even the sorts of things that most Republicans would necessarily want to push through the federal government under ordinary circumstances. Under these circumstances, we want to make sure that there's liquidity in the marketplace, that working Americans are able to keep their jobs, and that businesses are able to stay afloat for the next uh, couple of months while this wave passes. Um, uh, the Democrats, for reasons that I don't really understand right now, uh, are wanting to hold that up until such time as they can get their their pre-virus uh, uh, partisan political agenda uh, onto the table, which which they know is never going to work and is going to stall this thing out. That's why I really do think we are now within 24 hours or so of this finally wrapping up. I think they're feeling the the pinch on this from the American people. I think they're feeling the pain from their own constituents. And I think they're going to move forward. But that said, I, I've been saying the same thing for almost a week. I, I, I thought that by now we would have a deal, uh, not only that was ready to go, but that was passed. Sure. Let me ask you one final question before uh, we say goodbye for today, uh, and it has to do with remote voting. I'm a, kind of a nerd about this type of stuff. Used to be a congressional staffer for a number of years, and so the way that members of Congress, both in the House and the Senate, vote uh, fascinates me, and the the process and procedure and rules of it all fascinate me. Is this discussion uh, surrounding remote voting is it worth having? Is it necessary? And is it possible? I believe it's possible. I believe it's necessary, at least under certain circumstances. For example, in connection with this virus, we've got uh, five or six members who are currently under quarantine just within the Senate, and that number is only going to continue to to escalate. If this battle goes on much longer, it's going to be hard to even keep a quorum, uh, just given the rate at which people are being exposed and then getting diagnosed and then learning uh, about who they've had contact with who might have been diagnosed. So I've been saying for a month or so that we ought to adopt some kind of procedure uh, that would be rarely invoked, but that where possible would allow the Senate to convene online through uh, uh, two or three factors of authentication to make sure that everyone is who they say they were. Uh, it is possible to do that, and I think it needs to be done. Uh, the, the Senate, for good reason, has for a long time clung to its time-honored traditions and how it votes. All significant votes and votes as to which there's a significant amount of disagreement result in a roll call vote in the Senate, where they go down the list alphabetically calling uh, calling the roll and everybody votes yes or no audibly. Uh, those are good traditions. We need to have them. In some circumstances, we need to depart from that, and uh, this is a highlight of that. Um, the need for that is going to become only more pronounced in the coming weeks as we go through this, and I'm hoping and urging my colleagues that they'll adopt a rule change very quickly. Very good. Senator Lee, uh, thank you for your time. I am especially pleased uh, that you're feeling well and that uh, you didn't pick up anything from that lunch you shared with uh, Rand Paul. Also wish him the very best. Uh, best luck to you, sir, as you endure your isolation there, uh, and I look forward to touching base with you over the next few weeks as uh, this plays out. Uh, tier 3 right now being debated in the United States Senate. Uh, there's uh, maybe a likelihood we see a, a Tier 4 and maybe uh, beyond. Uh, best of luck to you, sir. Uh, look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you, Lee. Thanks. Take care.
Outstanding. I'm going to take a quick break here, and when we come back, we'll be speaking to current state auditor John Dougal. An announcement uh, was made early this morning from one of the from one of the candidates uh, for governor, and if John Dougal has his way, his next title will be lieutenant governor. John Dougal. He's my guest next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.